Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CleoCast. My name is Matt. And I am RC. Anyway, so I saw some old renders of the uh, what would have been the Royals and Chiefs Stadium if they combined, which was going to be near the crossroads the other day. Is it the one with the roof? Or yeah, it's the one with the roof. Yeah. Uh, but the I because I sent you that video on the uh, the Kansas City Athletics, which is now the Oakland, soon to be Las Vegas A's. Haven't watched it uh, yet. Yeah. Um, so the owner didn't actually want to share a stadium with the Chiefs because they were sharing Municipal Stadium, and uh, he got mad because originally the founder of the Chiefs, who moved it up to Kansas City, uh, Lamar Hunt. Got a one dollar a year lease at Municipal Stadium, and the owner of the of the Athletics weren't getting a one dollar lease. So he threw a fit, tried to get a one dollar lease, and then they were going to build a new stadium, but he didn't want to share it with the Chiefs anymore. So that's why they built the Truman Sports Complex with uh, Kaufman on one end and uh, the uh, Arrowhead on the other. Hmm. But then he basically took dwindling attendance at Municipal Stadium while his stadium was being basically planned to be built to dip. Out to Oakland. Uh, yeah. But I'd like to thank a uh, Missouri senator who threw an absolute temper tantrum and threatened to remove uh, MLB's antitrust-like protections. You know, I kind of miss when businesses – maybe I don't, but I, I kind of miss when, like, organizations or businesses were actually scared when some random senator threatened them. Yeah. Like, I guess there are some things that – wouldn't be good for that to happen with but it, you know it's just like it must have been nice back when it's like yeah these people i'm voting for actually have any form of power whatsoever like they're not just figureheads that press the yes vote on everything yeah and it's like just absolutely insane that like that's how kansas city magically got snapped to get the royals because it was it was the uh not the seahawks the uh, mariners it was the mariners were going to be the expansion team and then the royals just kind of got shoved in there with them right well, so it was really going to be the Seattle, I think it was the Seattle Pilots or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Pilots, Pilots. And, and they moved to Montreal almost immediately afterwards, I think. And that's why they got the Expos. And then they did another expansion like a year or two later, which got the Mariners there. I feel like we need more sports like expansion teams. Like, I feel like we had a bunch in like the 60s and 70s and 80s we had some in, like the 90s and 2000s we, I, what, I think what do you mean like, there, like there was a hockey expansion like not even a few years ago i don't care about hockey though i'm talking like the real sports like baseball and nba and lacrosse not the nfl you don't want another nfl team i guess we could do another nfl team i'm just worried that they're going to do like a germany one which would be really annoying just two, two expansion teams, one in London, one in, like, uh, Frankfurt or something. And one in Mexico City. It's just <laughs> like, here, it's the international division where we're just going to jet lag the fuck out of some people from other countries. I've always thought that a good MLB expansion site w would be Puerto Rico, though. That would be killer, though. We, we need like, to get that. Imagine how insane, like, if you just simply, like, priced it, like, where it's, like, super cheap to go and... Uh, it's it's U.S. territory anyway, so you don't have to worry about passport controls. The like that would be basically like Latin America's team at that point, right? We, we almost need to do like because baseball has so many games, mm -hmm. we wouldn't need to crush it like the NFL would. We almost need to have like like the international division where it's like five teams. They only have to play like sixty games, but they do have to like fly really far to get it. Yeah. We need to put like two in Japan, one in Puerto Rico, and then like. 
talk to like Venezuela or like Mexico or something. Because like I know the World Baseball Classic, if you remember, uh, that Japan game, it's like, oh my God. They got Shohei Otani as like the the big star, but it's just like, man, their baseball culture over there is so much more fun than ours because it's not so regimented, you know? Yeah, there isn't like unwritten rules that you're, we're maintaining from the 1930s. You can't do the bat flip because like Jim, who's 97 and, you know, like whatever, doesn't like it. And it's like, come on, guys, it's fun. Like, come on. that That's like if you want the younger people to actually watch baseball, you can't just like stamp out every single thing that the players figure out how to do that's actually fun. Like, it's so lame. And I know like, I mean, I'd like to see a, a Japanese baseball game, but I know like other bat sports have the same issue. Like cricket is suffering from a same situation where they're trying to shorten the amount of time it's played. Well, I, I know in Japan it is actually like, popping off i think they're doing a lot better than we are just because they they embrace the kind of fun aspects they have like the wacky i i, I saw some i think the manager they had the manager fly out to the field on a jetpack and he had like the cool metal gear style opening it's like and here's the manager of the team like i'm not gonna say a japanese name but him and it's like he's like all cool and stuff and it's just like yeah no it's just fun you know we're just gonna <laughs> hit a ball with a stick but we're just like making it cool kind of like Maybe not as much like, but kind of like the uh, bananas, the Savannah bananas, how they're just kind of yeah. like doing the wacky stuff. Where they're like basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, but they're actually like able to lose games. Yeah, because they play like the KC Monarchs and yeah. get their asses kicked. <laughs> Where they're just like, I'm on the stills. And I'm just like, I one guy's just like, I have a dream of going to the MLB, but it's not going to happen. I'm in the Kansas City Monarchs. Like, I get paid $10,000 a month and I am going to kill you, so I get to like actually play for the Royals who are the worst team in baseball. <laughs> it, it, anyway, back back to the Royals. Have you been seeing the uh the rumors that they might move to Nashville? I'm gonna I can't say that on like YouTube or whatever, but John Sherman has an address, <laughs> guys. If they actually try to move the freaking Royals out of the city, the 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 team literally Thanos snapped into existence because one senator got mad that Kansas City was losing a team. We should like pass legislation that like we like the city nationalizes the team if they try to move. Like I'm not joking. You, oh, you mean what Baltimore tried to do with the Baltimore Colts? Which means yeah, but we do it with guns. We mobilize the National Guard. Like I'm serious. You, you realize that like. The Nashville will do what Indianapolis did and just like somehow secretly move them out, right? Not if we surround. Like, <laughs> like once again, uh, these people, like the team has an address. Like we know where they live. What, 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 what are we going to keep them in like Jackson County Jail and take them out every time they need to go play and just not, drive not them? The players. We're going to keep the owner in Jackson <laughs> County Jail for violating the you can't move the Royals out of Kansas City law, make it a class one felony. John Sherman needs to figure out what the hell is going on with the stadium before he can think about moving anywhere else. Because, I mean, like, think if you're Nashville and it's like, well, here's this guy who's talking about the worst team in baseball and he wants, like, maybe a $1 billion, maybe a $5 billion stadium. you got to look at that and be like, okay, how bad do we want a team? Do we want a team, like, $6 billion bad? Do we want the worst team in baseball for, like, $2 billion? Like... Well, yes, because I feel like almost any city would trip over their own like dick in order to get a major American sport. You but know, we the, the Royals are just lucky that MLB doesn't have regulation. That's all I'll say. Relegation. Yeah. Ugh. But 
I would be so embarrassed after how much like crap I've given St. Louis people for losing the Rams in something that's not even their fault if the Royals just leave and then Kansas City has to deal with the fact that they lost the worst team in baseball. Say what you will about the worst team in baseball. At least they are like original to Kansas City. They're one of like the few MLB teams. Because like the, the, the Cardinals are like Ohio, right? Or something. I have no idea. I don't know either. We we've done it again. Two weeks in a row. We have talked about sports for eight minutes <laughs> to start the episode. I, it, 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 what are they expecting to have happen? They've listened to a few episodes, hopefully. Yeah, honestly. Anyway, all right. So you should know by now. Just skip like maybe ten minutes in, and you'll get to the actual episode. So I'm not sure if we said it at the beginning, but this is uh, part two of uh, the Erie Grocery Store saga. Because we'll probably title it like that or something. Yeah, we just uh, it, it was running a bit long for how long we were going to do episodes, but it was going to be like you know. We didn't want to shorten it up with what we wanted to say, but we also didn't want to uh, run way longer than a regular runtime. So we stopped yeah. it at around like a pretty like, I'd be at a little bit long, but normal runtime for our episode. And we're just going to do this in part two. Yeah. Being honest, we could do like hour long episodes. We just choose not to for your guys' sake. Like like we, we, we intentionally try to keep the runtime around like 30, 40 minutes. We have ran a little bit over before, but. Well, know. a lot of the earlier Clio talks were like an hour, hour, half. And it's like, well, that's not fair to you guys because, you know, you have lives. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we have uh, another article. This is early. This is an article earlier than the other articles that were popping up. Uh, this is from thehustle.co. This was posted uh, over a year ago, uh, and this is, uh, what is the title of this article? Uh, it's the small town that saved its only grocery store by buying it. And it's it's basically, this is the, we've covered like the kind of more current events in the context of Chicago, and this is more just a kind of background, here's just like about it. Yeah. There's just somebody writing about it without any of this, like, well, here's what Chicago might do. So yeah. it, it gives the town its own context. The, the current event stuff is over, and we're just going to go deeper into what exactly goes on with Erie Market and, or, uh, you know, the markets in uh, the, it's Stubbs Market. No, it is Erie Market. This no. is a picture from before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, across real America, I want to read the heading. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I scrolled down. Across rural America, independent grocery stores are shuddering. To keep its only store from joining the trend, one small town in Kansas got creative. This is by Michael Walters. This was written on Waters. Waters. Michael Waters. Michael Waters. I'm sorry, Michael. Um, September 10th, 2022. In the final days of May 2020, residents of Erie, Kansas, received a letter in the mail from their city government. Self-addressed envelope contained just one question. Do you support the city of Erie purchasing Stubbs Market? It was a dire moment for the residents of Erie, a town of around 1,000 people in southeastern Kansas. COVID-19 was raging. Basic household items and food products were running out of stock, and Stubbs Market, the city-only grocery store, was on the verge of closing for good. What would have left Erie with only a dollar general, a chain store of a poor selection of produce and fresh food, to find fresh meats and vegetables, residents may of whom don't have cars would have to travel ten to twenty miles out of town. That's a that's a twist. I, I didn't know that part. Yeah, many of them didn't have like just straight up don't have cars. I guess it does fit in line with what I know about small town, which is a lot of them have like golf carts or they just walk. Yeah, like, 
they just walk. Like you want to talk about urbanism, walkability, any of that stuff. Small towns. I mean, I do know this. The entire town of Erie, north to south, two miles. Yeah. Everything is walkable. I mean, I know you spent a little bit of time in a different small town in Nebraska. I think it's probably a very similar deal, right? Multiple small towns in Nebraska, multiple small towns in Kansas. Most of my family's from small towns. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's the same deal where they either just have like a golf cart or they just like like you drive in from like Lincoln to wherever, which is how I got there. I drove from Kansas City to the small town and then you just park your car and you don't need it the entire time you're there. Everything's just so close. I mean, it's like the local diner. It's like maybe a five minute walk across the entire town. So it's just like, yeah. Again, that's why it almost doesn't work bringing this to a Chicago context. Once again, coming back to the article we were talking about last week is just a completely different type of living here. Yeah. Also, to point out again, uh, this is echoed what we were talking about last week as well with the Dollar General. Like Dollar General, basically, like if you if you like eating spam, Dollar General. I do like eating spam. I, I also like eating spam, but I don't want to eat spam for every single meal. And, and Dollar General doesn't have the twenty five percent less sodium spam, which is the only kind of spam you should be eating. So, really. Yeah, because there's so much salt in it. They sell 25% less sodium spam for the exact same price. It, as, as unhealthy as spam is, you get a lot less sodium, so it kills you slower, which might not be what you're going for if you eat spam, but I do like spam. Spam is good, but I don't want to eat it for every meal, and if I'm going to Dollar General, and that's basically my only grocery op- option for like a ham-based protein. That or corned beef hash, you know? Yeah, e- eating like I'm like fighting in World War II. Um. <laughs> So, the city council decided it would do just about anything to keep its only grocery store open. In the subsequent weeks, responses to the poll began to trickle into Erie City Council. 311 households in Erie responded. Of those, the vast majority, 213 people, 68.5% of the population that voted, voted yes. What followed was a rare feat of community activism. To keep Stubbs Market from shuttering, the city government decided to buy it out. So this isn't the Soviet government, you know, being a bunch of elites deciding, you know, command economy. This is the people of Erie deciding to vote on this and being like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, this this is the majority of the community. I think think 68, that's a super majority, isn't it? Like anything above 65%. So that's, yeah. More votes than the Libertarians ever got. Yeah. How Erie got his grocery store. Erie has all the quaint charm one might expect from a small middle America town. Its main attractions include a park with dinosaurs made from junk metal and a public library. Each July, it hosts an annual soldiers reunion where residents cook beans and cast iron pots over open fires, watch fireworks, and admire antique cars. Just quick, quick, another dig on Libertarians. I wonder how much that public library loses in a year. Should we shut down that too? Like, do you think that do you think the private company could run it better? I think we make should, a real profit. I think we would shut down that libertarian guy's mom. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Real quick, also, my cat wants out of the room. Okay, wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Joe, the cat wants out. Every, oh my god, that was so loud! Everyone, say bye to Joe. She wants to go eat. Bye, Joe. Okay, <laughs> that was such a loud meow. <laughs> all right. Uh, at one time, Erie had a thriving farming community, but today the town's core industry industry has largely disappeared. There's really not a lot of good jobs here, Julie Kent, the director of Erie's public library, told The Hustle. 
through some farming jobs, though some farming jobs still exist, many of those drive outside of town for work, most often to an airplane parts manufacturer in the nearby town of Chanute. Would you want to talk about another industry that's been gutted in Kansas? Agriculture? No, the airline industry, man. Oh. No, we used to be like Detroit, like for cars, but we were for planes. But like Boeing left Wichita a while ago, and we we still have some, much mm-hmm. like how Detroit still technically has the big three, but it's like, man, the airline manufacturing industry, Seattle kind of got that. Just like a lot of those plants moved out there. so And that affects a lot of these areas, too, because they're outside Wichita where all those used to be. So, man. Like many other small towns, Erie's population uh, waned in tandem with the decline of farming. Between 1980 and, uh, or, uh, and 2020, the town's official headcount fell 26% to 1,047 residents. Did you read that as 2002? I did read that as in 2002. Okay. Um, you, I, I think do you have dyslexia. I, I might. <laughs> uh this population collapse had a cascading effects on local businesses within the city. With a shrinking pool of customers to serve, local stores struggled to turn a profit. This especially was true for Erie's grocery stores. The first warning signs occurred in 2012 when the city's grocery store, G&W Foods, abruptly closed because it was losing so much money. For two months, Erie didn't have a single grocery store. Residents who couldn't drive out of town depended on frozen meals from Dollar General. Getting fresh food and vegetables suddenly hinged on knowing someone who could take, who could make a delivery for them. So in, okay, so bringing back to that Reason article, are you telling me there was context before the Wall Street Journal guy wrote his article? Are you telling me that things were happening and like private businesses were f- were failing? Because I thought it was a free market. Like I thought that businesses were just supposed to make money because they're smarter than the government. Like, period. Oh, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should probably listen to that because we're just going to dunk on this guy from a recent article from last week's episode. Yeah, this entire time. Be, I think we'll we'll post the same sources in the first article on this article. I think we'll just keep the same sources list yeah. we usually do. Speaking of, we always put our sources in the bottom, and I think. I'll go back and add the sources we use for this article to the first article as well. So that way you can just see everything we're using for both. Yeah. So, uh, But this is just our attempt to do context. All right. The city convinced Stubbs Market, which had previously occupied, which had previously occupied the location, to reopen its store before the end of the year. It worked, but only for a few years. The owners of Stubbs were looking to retire, and they couldn't run Erie's grocery store much longer. In the late 2010s, they put their store on sale, but no one was willing to buy it. It was a intractable problem that city, Cindy Stufenfeyer the treasurer of Erie learned about quickly. Stufenheyer, Stufen... I think it's Schoenhofer. 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 All right. Who works part-time for the city and part-time as a controller at the local nursing home. Knew Erie couldn't afford to let Stubbs Market go. Losing a grocery store would lead to so much worse problems down the line if there was no place in the town to buy produce. Future residents might not move there. Like small towns, if you lose your school, then you sort of lose your town, Schoffenhofer said. The grocery store is smaller. If you lose that, then you don't have people shopping in town. Similar. And that yeah. that's kind of what we were getting at last time, too, is 
if you're from Chicago, even if you're from mm-hmm. Kansas City, if you're from any city of over maybe 10,000 people, you just you have to take it in your head that it's not just a policy difference. It's not just that, well, should we make this a bike lane or not? Mm-hmm. It's not just that, well, should we make the tax rate like 1% or 1.5%? It's a, if if we do this or not, this might kill the town. Like yeah. We might all, our property values might become zero because everyone will move out. Like all the investment we've had, you know, the families we've raised, all the memories we have, the town might die. It might be just become a ghost town like that. That's the stakes for these types of towns. It's it's not Chicago. It's not New York. New York, if they decide to, you know, change the the garbage truck manufacturer or something, that's not going to kill the town. There's no real like honest, legitimate threat of that happening. That that's not something that they ever take into account. And I don't think the guy writing that reason article, the libertarian dude, I don't think that he ever actually thought, oh wait, this is like a life or death for the town type policy thing. And that's the major difference. It's it's not like a you know, addressing food desert here. It's not a, well, we don't have like that many food choices in these neighborhoods. It's a we don't have a grocery store and people are gonna move out because Chanute has a grocery store, Wichita has a grocery store, Pittsburgh has a grocery store we might lose the town. Um, we've had a guest on this podcast before. He was on the land value tax episode, Ben. Now, Ben's family is from, uh, this is an anecdote in the middle of an uh, article, but I'm just going to do it. He, his family was from a small town pretty close to uh, Erie and uh, St. Paul. It's even smaller than these combined. It is actually pretty funny because uh, basically it's like four houses and a church. But, you know, I remember him telling me that there isn't a lot of people living down there other than his, like, grandmother, and that it used to be, you know, southeastern Kansas used to be very, you know, heavily populated in the grand scheme of things because there was uh, not not only industrial jobs, but also before that there was coal in in southeastern Kansas. And southeastern Kansas used to be able, and there was also, uh, like, rail connections and whatnot, and it was one of those things where you know there's rival chicken chains down there in uh, Pittsburgh that you know people like really have a cultural connection to. And southeastern Kansas is a weird kind of like dying slash dead region of Kansas that used to have a very lively like population and culture and society around it, and it's sad that. It's sad the only option to survive is to band together like this. But that's what allows St. Paul and Erie to survive. Well, and that's and that's kind of the whole discourse. Maybe maybe not discourse is the right word, but just the whole thing about like flyover country, yeah. you know, like ah, that's is it's just like it's fun when it's on the Internet, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, just like people from the coast shit talking interior America and, you know, maybe a large portion of interior America deserves some shit talking. But when you get down to the brass tacks, what's happening to a lot of people in these towns is they're seeing, I mean, the town they, again, imagine if you're from Chicago and then you're living there 20 years, you've lived there your mm-hmm. entire life. But then one day it's like, oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's gone. Like the city's, you know, all the buildings are abandoned. Yeah. Everybody left. You can't comprehend that. But that's what's happening to these people is I've lived here my entire life and I am soon not going to have the ability to 
live there. Have your relatives ever experienced that? Because I know you have like family in in kind of like southeast Kansas, but not this south. Not mine, but I think Kelly's uh, my my uh, fiance's family uh, has. They're the town that her dad is from is kind of undergoing this. I've been there, and it's. A lot of elderly people live there right now. A lot mm-hmm. of elderly and some like people who still own farms and stuff. A lot of cattle ranching, and, but uh, it, it's just kind of there, there's a lot of culture. You know, people still have like their. I, I mean, people live there it, it, again. All of this, it's not like some like, well, this is a town. You know, like it's it's not like some like Twitter or whatever like amorphous blob. This is a town where a thousand people live. They have their own culture because people always have their own culture. They have their own celebrations. They all know each other. You know, like there's families, people's lives here. But, you know, the kids moved out of the town I'm talking about up in Nebraska uh, because, you know, there's more education opportunities. There's better jobs up in Lincoln. Kids, if they don't have the option to, uh, if they don't want to farm, they're going to go to Lincoln and go to college and go do that because that's just what you do now, right? You don't have to farm. So you le- you're left with a lot of older folks who either don't want to move because they've lived there their entire life or they don't have the ability to move because there's not a lot of jobs. There's not a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if the property you own is in a small town, you got to remember how many people are moving there because if it's on the verge of decline your house you might not be able to sell it period because there's not you can't airbnb it um if you're not by a major highway there's not people like stopping through it the railroad shut down and that's why there's also a lot of those like uh free or very cheap land opportunities that i know a lot of uh kansas towns i know other towns do as well i remember a few years ago we were looking at that one town would give you basically an, an abandoned pizza hut mm-hmm and I mean, it's funny to be like, oh yeah, I have the I have the I have the old Pizza Hut in this town, but it's just like this town was once large enough to support like a Pizza Hut mm-hmm. in like the seventies. And it, it it's not even I don't know. I I think there is a tendency maybe online where things don't matter to just kind of disparage entire groups of people because it's very easy to do. But it's like a lot of these people turn to more populist politicians because they're seeing their and this isn't from a like immigration or whatever standpoint they're just they're seeing their entire way of life disappear because their town is dying and it's not from too many people it's just from people don't come here anymore so when they see a politician on either state local or national scale actually point out their issues and be like hi even if they don't like actually address them or care about them it's or, like, or, hey, there's or, somebody who's acknowledging or, or that we people exist. think that that politician is, is acknowledging their existence. Yeah, exactly. If it, they can project whatever they want onto it, but the fact of the matter is, no, the flyover country like that's a term that exists. People, a lot of people just don't actually care, and I don't, I don't disparage them for it because I don't know why people in New York would care about people in Erie. You know, like I live in Kansas City, and I can't honestly say that I care about them either. It's just that's how it works. I don't think about them that often. Yeah. It, I mean, I didn't know Erie existed until yeah. this this popped up. And yeah, and it's I, fair, I, but and I I'm sorry, Erie, that we're well, we even. That's just how it works. I mean, there's tons of small towns all across the country that you just you can't know they exist. I mean, there's but once again, it's not it's not a big city in the scale of things, but it's also a thousand people. Like that's larger than my graduating class, and I didn't go to a uh, very small high school, so it's like that's not an insignificant amount of people. But I guess. In a scale sort of way, it is, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. 
All right. America's rural grocery store problem. Back to the article. Across the U.S., countless rural towns are confronting the same dilemma as Erie. Between 1990 and 2015, rural non-metro counties lost 39% of their grocery stores, according to the report by the USDA. 39%. That's a lot. Yeah. Central to the problem is the fact that grocery stores run on razor-thin margins, especially in rural areas. In 2020, a survey of a Minnesota grocery of Minnesota grocery stores in towns under 2.5 people found that the average profit 2.5 thousand 2.5 people, not 2.5 people. That'd be insane. Um, <laughs> stores. It's just a house. <laughs> How do you have a half a person living in a house? Uh, there was an accident. Um. The average profit was just 1.1%. Wow, that is tight. That means that... That, the, that, that reminds me of when we worked at... You remember, uh, I'm going to name it because I don't care. Quick Trip. Yeah. The, the, the spiel they'd give you on how... Now, see, this this dime is how much we make, but then you got to take out the two cents for you and you know, all that stuff. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. Like For every dollar we make, only 10 cents of that is profit. I, that was just it, it just reminded me of that. except they make a bunch of profit off of gasoline and pretzels yeah. and shit oh yeah um that means even the slightest change inflation say or rising costs from the supply chain delays can quickly erase any earnings even the biggest chains like Kroger just earn a little over two cents for every dollar spent but they can make up for it with the volume of sales small town grocery stores don't have that luxury and oh. we, have, we have some pictures of some like rural grocery stores. That one right here, that obviously this is an audio-based format, but the top one reminds me exactly of like three different stores I've been to because in small towns. Because they're great. They, they usually have pretty good burgers at a lot of those places. Yeah. Because it's just people who like make really good burgers. You know, they got like grease. It's not like McDonald's, right? It's just like, I don't know. There's always like a child of like a person who works there that's just running around, yes. and it's just like, are you are you just the store child? Yeah, oh, and the wasps nests are great. <laughs> like the one I'm talking about, I'm not gonna say the name because I don't want to like dox anyone, but like it's like a drive up. It's great. They like it's kind of like Sonic, but they're not it's, on roller skates, and like you have to roll up the windows though because the wasps will get into your car because they just got a gigantic wasp nest. I've been there, right? Yeah, you've been there. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I, I was curious if it was in that town. Yeah, actually, so the one I'm talking about actually went out of business a couple of years ago, so they got bought out by a different family in it. They either went out of business or they retired. So you've been to the successor to it, which. Is not quite as good as the original. No, but I, I went with you when we were kids down there. Oh, right? then yeah, you yeah. probably remember. So, so I've, I've been to both versions of it then yes. because I, I went there after I got my COVID shot. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, oh, uh, plenty, plenty of, of broader trends. Are, do you want to keep going? Yeah, or you can take over if you want. Plenty of this is like a list, so I'll yeah. take over. Plenty of broader trends are forcing independent grocery stores to shutter too. One, dollar stores and super centers. So th I think we talked about this last time, but the share of grocery stores in rural areas that are independent fell from 87% to 82% thanks to the encouragement of chain stores. As independent grocery stores disappear, super centers are taking their place. The USDA found a 237% increase in the number of super centers in these rural counties between 1990 and 2015. But many of these stores, especially dollar stores, don't have fresh food. So two, depopulation. Between 2010 and 2020, the number of Americans living in rural areas fell by 0.6%. Quote, when there are fewer people in town, you just have fewer people that can support that business, said Erica Blair, the program manager of Rural Grocery Initiative, a group that also adv advised Erie. 
And three, secession crises. In Kansas, the Royal Grocery Store owner is 57 years old, or the average grocery store owner is 57 years old, according to Justin Carter, a senior project manager at the Center for Rural Affairs, and, quote, they're having a lot of trouble finding new owners, end quote. Carter says the failure to secure a new generation of owners has caused many rural grocery owner stores to close. You're getting a situation where the current group of store owners are retiring and just nobody's taking over the store. To keep their stores from shuttering, some communities are applying a range of creative solutions, such as community-owned stores. When Hay Springs, Nebraska, population 600, lost its only grocery store in 2019, local advocates became pamphleting to convince residents to buy out the store's collective. The Farm to Family Cooperative opened in 2021. Or self-serve stores, where in Evansville, Minnesota, population of about 700, residents had to drive 40 miles to get many of their groceries. One couple opened Main Street Market, a 24-hour self-serve-style grocery store accessible by an annual subscription of $75 a year. So 75 bucks, you get whatever you want, I guess. Yeah. Or public-private partnerships. Often, cities might agree to cover a grocery store's rent in order to help it cut costs. In West Baltimore, for instance, the nonprofit Grocery Fresh at the Avenue operates out of a city-owned building. Erie's approach to turn its grocery store into a publicly funded enterprise is far less common, but it certainly isn't a standalone case. And we got the St. Paul model. When the city of Erie was considering the proposal to buy Stubbs Market, the first thing Schoenhofer did was reach out to Erie's neighbor, St. Paul, Kansas, population 543. St. Paul is one of the only other places in the country, along with Baldwin Market in Baldwin, Florida, a population of about 1.5 thousand people, and Caney Market of population 1.8 thousand people in Caney, Kansas, that accomplished what Erie was trying to do. The story of St. Paul dates back to 2005. I think we kind of talked about this in the last episode, but I think the Wall Street Journal article goes into it less here. Yeah. When a man named Rick Giefer became mayor. The city hadn't had a full-scale grocery store since 1985, and Giefer decided to change that. In 2008, he used city funding to get a new store, St. Paul's Supermarket, off the ground. In 2013, when the couple who ran the store was starting down retirement, Giefer convinced the city to buy it outright. In 2019, Schoenhofer drove to St. Paul to meet with that city's clerk, who gave her some tips. The experiment, Schoenhofer found, had been a success. The St. Paul grocery employs 15 people, and it turns a profit of 3%, slightly better than the average for rural grocery stores. It has also kept people, and spending money, in town. Similarly, in Erie, residents show up to Erie Market for fresh lunches, like a barbecue pulled pork sandwich or taco on Taco Tuesday. Other positive developments have followed. Erie just opened a new daycare center, a new restaurant, and a new coffee shop. Quote, once the ball started rolling, we started getting people saying, well, we could do this and we could do this, Kent said. By the fall of 2020, after collecting feedback from residents, the city of Erie had agreed to purchase Stubbs Market. The cost, $300,000, plus the cost of inventory, about $100,000, and a half a percent cut to the store's previous owners for the next 10 years, in total, about less than $500,000. At the start of 2021, the city became the official owner of the store. The city council renamed it to Erie Market, and it hired a manager with retail experience to run the store on the city's behalf. Getting back to that Reason article, talking about it being rocket science or whatever, uh, you can just hire somebody who runs a grocery store to run the grocery store. You don't need to have like the, the city clerk do it. Yeah. like It's incredible how that works. Also, I do like how the other examples are all mainly Kansas-based. Yeah. 
because Kansas uh, is like a liberal enclave that votes Republican. I'm not expounding on that. Yeah. Back to the Chicago example, though. If people of Chicago wanted to do it, they once again could just hire somebody who manages a Kroger to manage their grocery store. It's really not that hard. I've done it. Ooh, Mr. Grocery Store over here. Yeah, I know. Like the gas station or grocery store, isn't it great? Yeah. I'm the true modern-day proletariat. Anyways, uh, so far the city of Erie has taken a mostly hands-off approach to running Erie Market. The store manager submits a monthly report to the city about finances. Erie will only step in if it slips into the red. Quote, we run it as a utility, like we do the electric bill and the water bill, end quote, Schoenhofer said. Just like a water bill, if the cost of running the store goes up, Erie would add a small amount, less than $5 per month, to each resident's utility bill to make up the difference. Would you pay $5 a month to be able to buy food in your town? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I think I would, too. Yeah. Erie hasn't had to do that yet, but rising inflation is making the city council nervous. Erie Market's food suppliers are charging more on wholesale orders, and the store is passing some of the increased costs on to customers. But when it comes to inflation, running the store as a public utility has an upside. According to Schoenhofer, the city council is looking to reducing the markup it adds to the groceries it sells. Erie Market, after all, needs to break even, not make a huge profit. Once again, it only needs to break even, not make a huge profit. Its first priority is getting residents in the door. So once again, the article that we're besmirching this entire time by the reason guy, it doesn't need to make money. It just needs to break even, and it doesn't even need to do that because it's a city municipality. You know, if the power company doesn't make money, then you can just raise taxes slightly to get it back in the black, you know? And also, with, like, inflation and stuff, that that's another factor he didn't really mention in is it, it's more expensive to do things now. And like city budgets haven't necessarily adjusted perfectly. <sighs> well, I mean, that's background on Erie Market. I mean, good for Erie. Yeah. Uh, we should go down there. We should. I need to do a whole like Wichita trip. I'm. N- I haven't been to Pittsburgh in a while. Have you ever been? There's a uh, bison reserve down by Pittsburgh. I have not been there. I have just been to the chicken restaurants. Chicken restaurants. Have you, have you been to Chicken Annie's or Chicken Mary's? Uh, I've heard of them. I don't think I've been. Hmm. We do yeah. need to go. I mean, uh, I uh, I took a friend down there for uh, his birthday, and uh, he uh, uh, we went to uh, Chicken Annie's, and uh, like we ordered gizzards, gizzards, and and his girlfriend and my girlfriend were like completely repulsed by the idea of gizzards. Yeah. Yeah. How were they? They were good. Gizzards are good. They just didn't think that they were like appetizing at all. Yeah. How do they serve them? Is it just like fried in a bowl? Okay, fried at least. Yeah. Good. Do you have to use a fork or yeah. use fingers? You can use a fork. See, I really like the uh, liver. They have it like Chinese restaurants. The liver dumplings. Those things are good. Um. Yeah. It's down by Pittsburgh somewhere though. There is a bison reserve. Uh, they've got like a couple hundred. It's pretty cool. I mean, you can't really like walk in there, but um, it's neat. Southeast Kansas, um, I don't know, doesn't get appreciated enough. Yeah. Granted, we, I don't, okay, that's our personal bias is Western Kansas past Wichita, I think for both of us basically does not exist except for I-70. So that is our personal biases we need to correct. I've been to Dodge City. I've been to Liberal. They're both really cool. 
I've been to Greensburg. I have been meaning to go to Victoria, Kansas. Yeah. Scroll over by Hayes. By Hayes. Hayes, Kansas. I'm going to show my West Coast bias. Okay, there's Hayes. Now, move. Uh, you can see Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. I've definitely driven past it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What's its picture on Google? A big cathedral? Yeah. Uh, they have a, like, massive church with a monastery here. Like an actual monastery? Like an actual, like, there's actual monks. The monks of Victoria, Kansas? Yeah, the, 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 it go over by the church. What, uh... Is it St. Fidelis Basilica? Yeah, and then there's St. Fidelis Fire, uh, Friary. There, there's friars, which are monks. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, there's actual, there's like monks. I Okay. Um, and it's a big church. God damn, dude. Yeah, that thing is big. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Have you, okay. Uh, Mount Sunflower, we've got to go at some point. Yeah, we also go to the, uh, like, what is it? Uh, the the Bat, Kansas Badlands, Jordan national or jordan state park or whatever somewhere yeah i haven't actually been to the flint hills like monument or museum or whatever they like the visitor center for that i've just driven through the flint hills yeah the kansas cimarron national grassland by the way if you guys ever do go to uh like liberal kansas which why would you but if you have ever been there like random viewer from wherever you're listening from they have a really cool air museum there i, I really enjoy the story you told me which came from the museum curator which was that they don't have engines in the planes anymore in the f-14s because yeah. they got f-14s out on the tarmac and because they're out on the tarmac the uh like some people from the air force came were like hey but you got to take like we're taking the engines out of these because um they said iranians will come to the museum, come in the middle of the night and steal parts from them to operate their air force. Cause obviously we like semi embargo. We stopped operating the F 14 in this country because Iran has F 14s. So we tried to clamp down on all the spare parts. So like random museum in Southwest Kansas can't have <laughs> engines and yeah, the... <laughs> they came and forcibly stripped them out, but it's a really cool museum. And if you go there, the museum curator will just follow you and talk to you about every single place in there because it's like a small town museum. They're, they're the coolest. Remember that one we went to in Wichita? Oh, where the guy was really weird. Yeah. It was just some dude's collection. No, look at this. Look at on Google maps. You can like see a photo of it. They've got a, uh, not a, it was a star chaser or whatever. The Cessna. Yeah. The really cool one with the, uh, it's a push prop, so the the propellers on the back of it. Uh, they only made like thirty of them, I think. But you know, the one in uh, Wichita. I'm getting on a tangent. I'm on airplanes right now. Yeah. Uh, the one in Wichita was just like some dude's personal collection that he charges you five dollars to look at. No, no, no. It was six dollars. It was five dollars on the website, and then we got there, and it was six dollars, and I believe it was cash only as well. So we had to like do the awkward like give him a like a like twenties and have him break change. Yeah. It was kind of awkward, and he like was just sitting there in his like VHS collection, playing like you know like the random military videos they'll have when you go to like a museum. Yeah, it's like here's a VHS tape we made in 1972. Dodge City's cool. I don't know. Go to more small towns, people. I mean, we need to go to Russell. I think I've been to Russell. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, it is on I seventy. Yeah, definitely been there. Uh, Anyways, small towns. That's our that's our pitch for this. Is they they get a bad rap, but they if you go there and spend your money there, they could probably really use it because they they just get shit on constantly, and they don't get a lot of investment because they're small towns and they're not towns of a million people. 
and even even a lot of the topics we cover are are very like some of the Kansas topics are very let's invest basically all the money of the state budget into like like a tiny metro area on the east side of the state and like nothing into the rest of it you know like when we're talking about building a a commuter rail it's like yeah that would be a lot of people and like you know like Okay, Hayes, Kansas, paying for Johnson County commuter rail system. Uh, yes, but also the majority of the state lives within, like... Which is true, yes. Yes. Yeah. You're not wrong, but... Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, geez, uh, I, think, I think this one might be longer than last week's. Oh, oh dang. <laughs> I, I I thought this one would be, like, running way shorter because I mean, this is just a follow-up. All no, right. It's, it's, we're about 45 minutes, so we need to wrap it up. Okay, uh... This has been another episode of the Cleocast. I've been Matt. And I have been RC. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at Cleo History. You can email us at cleohistorypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get us wherever you get podcasts. Please give us a like and a follow or whatever on whatever podcast thing you have or review we, or something. Whatever we've gotten works. a lot of stars on Spotify. Thank you all very much. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.